This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. And before we get into it, Will Stelter, James Fleming, Matt Stagmer, and a super secret surprise guest. Let's take care of a little business, okay? Total Boat, TotalBoat.com. They make adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. They started out making stuff for DIYers and boaters. And then they understood that there was a maker community that could use their products. They use amazing uh, technology to create packaging that's super user-friendly. I've been using their two-part epoxy, uh, the high-performance two-part epoxy for my handle scales, and I love it. I also use their UV Cure clear resin you fill you put a little bit on uh, your a gap or something like that and you hit it with the uv flashlight and then bingo bango bongo you got some hard epoxy it's terrific stuff so go to totalboat.com put in promo code full blast 10 you are going to get 10 percent off your order it's good enough for keith Deason. it's good enough for jimmy deresta and Derek from Malden and and Keith Johnson, who I just talked to about Total Boat. He I gave him a call about Total Boat. Boy, he loves a Total Boat. Total Boat, baby. Get yourself some Total Boat and you know, get your 10% off and give it a try. Thank you once again, Total Boat. The next is Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural food safe wax for your hammers, for your axe, for your steel, for your wood, for your carbon steel, Damascus, for your leather, for whatever you got. It's it's food safe, 100% food safe. So if you're making culinary stuff and you're sending it in the mail and you're wondering to yourself, I don't hope I hope there's no petroleum byproducts in this. There isn't. There's no petroleum byproducts in it, and it is great. And if you go to axwax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get 10% off your entire order. And if you're in the UK, go to UKKnifesupplies.com. Toby's taking Full Blast 10. If you're in Australia, Nordic Edge, Nordic edge.com.au is, is taking full blast 10 if you're in the eu knife materials.at is taking full blast 10 and everyone's loving that axe wax so go get yourself some of that axe wax and live a little ladies and gentlemen and it's a great stuff and if you put in that if you get that 10 percent off get a couple bucks it's worth it next ak interactive andreas kalani is making websites for makers and non-makers if you're looking for a good website this isn't just a guy who figured he's a knife maker who figured out how to make websites he's got 20 plus years of experience in design and marketing for corporations become before becoming a knife maker designing websites corporate identity entire company branding he'll make you a mobile friendly website that you can update through your phone he'll talk you through it he'll figure out what you need and he'll talk you through it and he'll and he's not going to bang you for a monthly fee you pay him half half up front and then half when it's done and then you have access to him too so if you have any problems he'll talk you through it he's going to show you how to fix it he's going to make it easy for you so guys like Steve Schwarz or Mike Tyree Charlie Lionheart they're all using AK Interactive, and you go to akinteractive.com slash full blast, and you fill out the paperwork, and it's going to ask you a lot of questions, and the questions are going to be to help Andreas figure out what you need. Maybe you need, maybe you have a website that just, it's just not doing it, or maybe you want a little spring cleaning. He'll fix it for you. He's going to give you a free consultation, which is great, and he's going to tell you what you need to do in order for you to optimize, because let's face it, 
There's just no reason for you to be fooling around in the DMs. You should have all your information on your website, easy to upload, shipping information and how you do the weight and the size and the colors and the and the wood and the this and the that and the other thing. You can have all your information on there. So people aren't going into your DM saying, hey, can I ask you a question about this? And then you all of a sudden you have to do a bubble and then they do a bubble and then you do a bubble and it's just like time's wasted. All on your website. Go get yourself a good website. He speaks your language, AK Interactive. Broadbeck Ironworks, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for making a great product in the United States. Knife makers making grinders for knife makers. This is an incredibly versatile grinder. I have it. It can go verse. It can go vertically and horizontally. It has a multitude of platens, uh, a multitude of attachments. It has the things that you need if you're a knife maker, but if not just if you're a knife maker. If you're a sculptor, if you're a woodworker, I know that my friend Leah Arapach has a Broadback Ironworks grinder. She uses it all the time. She's making beautiful sculpture. Uh, Keith, Keith, uh, Keith Mitchell's got a Broadback Ironworks. He's a woodworker. You can be very flexible with these grinders, and they make products. They make grinding wheels and attachments and surface grinders and all this stuff. And they also sell leather sewing equipment. So if you're in the leather business and you're just like, I am tired of this, this 16th inch drill bit in my big old thumbs, go get yourself one of them leather sewing machines. So go to broadbackironworks.com. And if you put in the promo code knife talk, you'll get upgraded to the Mareco Platin, which is a dynamite, dynamite, dynamite Platin. It's my favorite of the Platins. I used to love the, the original Platin I love because it's long. And actually, you still use that because it's a long, long Platin. But the Mareco Platin has two sized wheels and it has a deeper throat. So if you're handle carving and you want to turn your knife around a little bit so you can get it inside behind the, the bolster, you're in there, baby. You're in there by behind the choil, I should say. You're in there, and it's not going to hit anything. It's great. So go get yourself a good grinder. Get a broadbackironworks.com and go get yourself a grinder. Get a promo code knife talk ten and knife talk. Just knife talk gets you the upgrades to the Miracle Platinum. And keep your eyes on what they're doing because what happens is is what they do is every holiday they're throwing up crazy deals all the time, like. $20 off, 100 bucks off here, a bit percentage off here. It's definitely worth following them on Instagram, at Broadback Ironworks, on Instagram, and then keeping informed because they're always putting new deals in, and it's definitely worth it. So the Broadback Ironworks guys, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Now, this, I'm back. We're back. We did two weeks of uh, DSP from the vault, and I thank you. I was installing the sculpture and I had to have all my focus on it and just getting the amount of time and energy spent on getting this. I really want to spend a lot of time on this podcast. So I'm constantly trying to think about guests and think about the approach of which I'm going to take. And I really spend a lot of time to make sure that each one of these uh, episodes is really great. And I want it to be on time and I want it to be, I want it to be every Friday. I had to take those two weeks off because this project I did was a, a four years of my life of dread. Four years of my life of dread. And next week, Leah Arapach is going to come on and we're going to talk about the sculpture. We're going to talk about what she was doing. She did a great collaboration. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about public art. And next week, I'm excited about that. But now, this week, I'm come back. I'm back. And my guests this week, Will Stelter, James Fleming, Matt Stagmer, 
and Nick Rossi. Nick Rossi, the, the, the guy who, who shows up when you don't expect it. The guy who just shows up, he's here, and that's the way it is. She showed up. So we had a, it was a full house. Uh, part, I got a message from Will last night saying, hey, I have a, somebody here who might be a lot of fun to be in the podcast with. What do you think? I said, who is it? It must be someone. He's like, Nick Rossi. I'm like, yes. So what I said to him was because of the, the way our, the, the recording suite that we use is called Squadcast. And I might have mentioned before. It only allows me to have f- four people recording at the same time. So the problem was, I said to him, well, I love Nick. Obviously, want to hear what Nick's takeaway is from Blade Show. You're going to have to share a microphone. So they had to share a microphone and, and a headset. And, on, you know, that's just... So the audio quality isn't 100% as great as it could have been, but I'm so glad that they made it. They made the effort. They made all the efforts. And we had an awesome conversation. It was great to hear what Matt and James and Will and Nick had to say. Um, and uh, it was great. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow those guys that you already do. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to hear it. Uh, thank you once again to Will, James, and Matt, and Nick. And it was awesome. And uh, for your listening pleasure... Here we are, the return of four, 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 four champions, four champions. All right, guys, take it away, Craig. Is everybody ready? Okay, guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and I got to tell you, I can't believe it. I'm back, baby, with a new episode, and I have here not one, not two, but three bladesmiths who just came back from Atlanta. We have James Fleming, Wasteland Forge. We have Matt Stagmer. We have the great Will Stelter and the Wraith of Wraiths, the magician, the phantom of the phantom of phantoms, Master Bladesmith Nick Rossi. Guys, how's everybody doing? Terrific. Good. Good. Great. Great. Congratulations, everybody. Congratulations. Thank you. This was so exciting watching you all down in Atlanta, and we had no idea about Nick, but we're going to get to Nick next, and, and Will was nice enough to surprise me with this. He, they're sharing a microphone, so they're, you know, that's the way it is. How is everyone feeling? Like, like, like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> uh, Nick, I'm how are you feeling? I'm hungry. <laughs> You're hungry? You're hungry? Yeah. So talk to me. At you know, we're all—all all you guys came down to test in Atlanta to test for the American Bladesmith Society. Uh, three of you tested for the Journeyman Smith test. One of you tested for Master Bladesmith that nobody knew about, but that's fine. We're going to get to that. What was your initial? When did you guys decide that you were going to? And we'll take it one at a time. We're going to just have to round robin this. At what point did you think that you were going to go down to Atlanta to test, James? You starting with you. So I, I originally did my performance test almost two years ago at Jason Knight's place. Um, and my I signed up for the ABS in August. So I was I planned to test last year and didn't realize that I was about a month and a ch- some change shy of actually testing last year. So uh, I knew, you know, for years that I was going to take this, you know, and, and try to pass it. Yeah. And what about you, Matt? When did you decide? I mean, I wanted to test the year that COVID hit and they canceled the show. Actually, uh, my plan was that year to take a class maybe with Nick or somebody like that and get the the year off by taking the bladesmithing course. And then COVID hit and I went, well, (laughs) 
So I knew it was going to be pushed back a year, and then Will probably can attest to stuff like this. Just one video project after another just, like, pushed me back. So the following year I didn't test, and then um, I just announced it officially, like, on my YouTube that I was going to do it to hold myself accountable, and then and then I knew it was on from there. So everything happened about three years later than I wanted it, but nonetheless, when I actually started my set... I stayed consistent working it and uh, got it done. Do you think that that extra time made you, do you think it would have, how much change would your knives have been if you had ha- done it three years ago as opposed yeah. to now? Do you, are you I mean, happier now? Or So for me, I don't make a lot of knives. In fact, very few. And at that point, three years ago, I, I hadn't made many nice knives at all. I hadn't had much time on a platen at all. I grind almost all my stuff on uh, contact wheels at that point. So having a lot of, like, Ilya Forge six months ago forged me a bunch of blades to just practice my plunges and practice flat grinds and guard fit up. Um, if I hadn't done that, um, I wouldn't have made it. And I, I don't know. Who knows? Because I, I learned so much just when I decided to start the set that maybe I would have learned the same amount back then but having the extra time definitely helped that's why I, I encourage people to do this for sure but i also encourage people not to necessarily rush it like do it when you're ready but you also will in your head you might not ever think you're ready so i tell people just make a knife and try to make it a js knife if it fits that standard that's your number one if it doesn't get rid of it and, and just always have that mentality until you get there and then maybe start your set so that's that's one way to approach it. Will Stelter, I'm imagining you have your you're wearing your Eagle Scout outfit. <laughs> you're ready to roll and you say to yourself, I'm gonna join the ABS and I'm gonna be a journeyman Smith. Take me to take me back to that time where you made the decision I'm going to test for Journeyman Smith. So what's really get close to that, that mic. Get close get, eat that mic, Will. So what's really funny is that I actually so my two main bladesmithing mentors uh, that I, I met when I was 16 uh, were Daniel O'Malley, who owns Blade Gallery, um, and Salem Straub. And they're both incredible knife makers, and they were both very encouraging on my journey and, and helped me a lot. But neither of them are a part of the ABS. Right. So neither of them encouraged me to join the ABS, and I joined when I was 19, about to turn 20. Uh, and so... Uh, I had already been a full-time knife maker for like two years at that point before I finally, you know, ponied up the money to join the ABS. Actually, I had joined the ABS as a youth member when I was 16, but that doesn't actually do anything besides give you a magazine subscription. Is that kind of like getting your black belt when you're like 14 or like 12? You know, it's like you and they gave you a gym membership, but all you got was their weekly bulletin and and not... (laughs) Not access access to the gym. Hey, I, I got my some, black belt at eight years old. I know some kids like you <laughs> who came into class. I got my black belt at eight years old. I'm like, you're not gonna kick my ass. It's just no way. It's no <laughs> way. So 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 now you're you're a junior. You're a member, and then tell, talk to me. Oh well, I just I let it lapse after a year because I was like, well, there's twenty dollars I'll never see again, and I obviously wasn't making. Uh, super great money at knives at that point, and so I was just like, like, well, it's not really important. Salem has always said he wants to be known as a master without having the ABS rating as a master, and I, I think we'd kind of all agree that he's pretty yeah. much there. He's he's pretty much a master. I mean, he is he's a master bladesmith. Um, 
but he's not a part of the ABS. And so I'm, uh, but I, I am glad, I am glad that I get to do it. I, uh, yeah, I, I like the, the tradition and kind of, I like honoring the bladesmiths that have come before us. And so that's, that's why I decided to do it. Uh, but again, I didn't decide to do it until I was, you know, until exactly three years ago, basically. So Nick Rossi, we know your story, a rich history as a teacher and as a knife maker and a, and a huge proponent of the ABS. At what point did you think to yourself, I'm going to go? Because you were a journeyman smith for quite a while, no? Yes, yeah, correct. I think it was like four or five years that I that, that I was a, I was a JS. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I, I started considering it after I got my JS. I knew I had to start, I had to start preparing. And, and uh, the dagger aspect of it was I knew the thing that I needed to focus on. So I, I, I spent a, a lot of time studying daggers. I got a chance to, you know, uh, I, got, I got a chance to, to, to document some real ones when I was uh, in Germany at the, uh, at the uh, Klingen Museum. So I got, I got to see some in person. I got the TA for a Kevin Cashin's dagger class a few times. Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I, I kind of wanted it to be a one-and-done type scenario. Uh, and with that, I, I want to say that, that there is, there's no shame in having to do JS twice. There's no shame in having to do MS twice. Um, you know, this is a really serious thing, and, uh, and it's, it's really, really hard. It's just really hard, and the standards are very high. So I, I, I kind of wanted it to be a one-and-done thing, so I wanted to make sure that I had the skills to pull off a dagger both aesthetically and, and fit, fit and finish-wise. And how many, how many daggers did you build to practice for it? Um, I, 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 built, I built one blade that I didn't like the Damascus on, and then... And then it was just like like the one the one dagger that that that, that was my dagger was the first one I ever actually finished. So, wow. but I, I thought about it for you know for literally three years of study and doing drawings, and I kind of had an idea with with the direction that I wanted to go. So when did you pull? I mean, because I, in my mind I'm thinking you know I know that the the ABS gives you a certain amount of time as a member in good standing before you can test. So I would imagine that you have a certain window where you decide, okay, I have to decide by, I'm going to take a guess, like I'm going to decide by September that I'm going to put in for this and then just make my run. And I've talked to Matt Parkinson a number of times about this. And I know that, you know, every year, you know, this is, this wasn't my year. This wasn't my year. At what point in all of your decision-making was it this is the year that I'm going to test, and I don't know the rigmarole in regards to submitting and stuff like, or preparing, or even, you know, registering. At what point this year did you decide? All right, this is it. Well, I, I can tell you that I had to do it this year because I'd have to re-performance test. The, the, I was kind of timing out um, on my on my performance test. You have an amount of time for when you do the the uh, performance test and when you present your knives and if you exceed that time you have to re-performance test you have to do that again is it two years i think it's three years actually for three. ms yeah it's three years and uh and this this was the last blade show that i could do it without having to 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 to, to re-performance test which isn't a big deal it's not a big deal you know anyone who's applying for master should see that performance test as something that would be just really easy to bust out pretty quick um, at that at at that level, but I just didn't really want to do it again. So, uh, right. so I, I kind of I gave myself six or seven months, and like you know I'm a 
I'm a real knife maker. I've got bills, so I, I kind of worked on that stuff while I was working on my regular production stuff, which is which is challenging because it's two different kinds of knife making. Right. Uh, making master smith knives and making like the stuff I usually make is is quite different. So it's kind of tough to be in a different headspace, uh, you know, at the same time. So I want to get back to the to to this is interesting because from what I understand, and you guys you know correct me. The journeyman Smith knife, the five knives you submit are really kind of not. I'm not saying I'm not saying standard, but they're specific in regards to what they're looking for. What is the difference between what is supposed to be submitted for journeyman Smith and master blade Smith? Well, I mean, I would say that that stylistically they make no distinctions about the type of knives that you should make versus uh, master versus journeyman. You have to do the dagger. That's the only requirement. And that's the only knife that needs to be Damascus even for, for master. Huh. So, um, you, you know, I mean, you, obviously if you're applying for something where mastery is in the title, you want to push yourself and you want to represent yourself as doing masterful things. So they want you to push yourself, but you could you could theoretically do the same designs that you did for JS. They just have to be more or less perfect. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which is which is which is you know I would say journeyman knives are you know like eighty eighty five percent perfect and master smith knives are like ninety nine percent perfect. That that that's kind of the difference. So let's James. Mm-hmm. You made your decision. You 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 did your performance test. You made your decision on what you were going to do. Take me through the building of your knives and the nervousness and what your expectations were. So um, I decided to make a bunch of stuff that I had never done before, like a moron. So I made four of my knives were integral, uh, and one was a penny guard, large bowie. The The only knives that I had any experience making was the integral chef knife. I did three integral guards. One of those was a keyhole. The first keyhole I had ever done. First integral guards I had ever done. So I was nervous. Like, I'm doing all of this stuff that, in my opinion, far exceeds my level. But there is... Matt said something earlier about taking, you know, your JS test. You're never ready for the JS test until you decide to start doing it. Yeah. And, and once you start doing it, it's like, okay, you take all of the skill you've culminated up to that point, And you work on, you know, basically the five nicest knives you've ever made. I don't and know that so that's that, that, always true. Into the mic, Will so Stelter. I, I, don't, I don't know if that always, that, that's always true, because, like, Fabio Barres, oh yeah. who tested this year, like, he's, he's unbelievable. I, no, I'd call him a master, a master bladesmith. He's so he master. was just like, oh, I just need to build five of my normal knives yeah. and, and then just not make award. them Damascus. Um, <laughs> did he submit a tomahawk, by the way, in his yeah. JS set? Yeah, he submitted, a, it was a pipe hawk. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think I think that for like for most people who are like at the right level when they join the ABS, like if you're like you've been forging a couple knives, then you join the ABS, then I think like the three year mark of like making knives pretty seriously, like will get you to the point where like excuse me, where like JS is like a good push for you. Um, yeah. But I think it like I'm I don't know how long he's been making knives, but probably like ten or fifteen years. Like yeah. I think he was just like 
And there was an Australian guy at the same level. I forget his name. He was right next to me. I was so nervous putting my set down next to his. I was like, this is not what? I turned around and looked at Frank. I was like, dude, is there another spot I can put I my knives? He's like, right there. Yeah, he's he was like Mastersmith level yeah. stuff. I was like, good God. What is, what is, if in your all recogn- uh, your all recollection, what is the boldest decision someone ever made to submit for JS? What's the Might boldest? Be the boldest. Shoot. I would think the tomahawk I, would be. I would say tomahawk. Well, I was nervous. Sword too. So yeah. <laughs> I was nervous. I was so nervous. That's a, yeah. that is a bold move. It's a blade. I went like way out of my comfort zone to to make the like style knives I did. They're like not. That's not really what I do. I wanted to make some medieval stuff, and that I told you I wanted to make a flamberge dagger, and I'm nervous, and he submits a tomahawk and crushes it. So. Maybe some of the rules are more just like guidelines, and you should uh, do what your heart says. I, I don't know. I, I, I did hear uh, a story. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that someone showed up for Journeyman with five perfect miniature knives. Yes. Hilarious. Absolutely perfect miniature knives, and they had to give it to him, and so that's why there's the rule where, like, two knives have to be over six inches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that person was the... The, the, the creator of that rule. So. Just a few years ago, somebody submitted a, uh, a set of, like, scalpels, basically. They were, like, blades this big. Oh, my God. That wasn't that long ago. Maybe, See, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Let's yeah. get an amendment just a couple of years ago. I mean, so the I whole think. knives were long, but, the, like, they were just little scalpel blades with, like, perfect plunges. I don't remember so who that was, but I saw you the have, set. Here you have the opportunity to be bold. And but at the same time, you're at the mercy of the taste of the judges, right? Yeah. So like, this guy who who brought the tomahawk in, bold move, high level. But at the same yeah. time, someone who be, could have been like, you know, maybe had a couple drinks the night before and they were irritated. You know, you know why I didn't be? submit something far out? Honestly, it was more of like, I wanted to show kind of respect for the whole process and i right. didn't want to have a look at me moment i wanted yeah. to like humble myself and do what everybody else is doing i didn't like it that was kind of a like a last minute perspective that i got like maybe in the last two weeks of making it where i was just like you know what the last thing i want to do is be that jerk who tried to overachieve and you know seem like i'm trying to get attention so that's why that's the main reason i just said I'm just doing knives. Yeah, I think I think that that's a really great attitude to have, and uh, and you know, and you should know roughly who your judges are going to be, and you should make knives that you think that they would like. I, I yeah. think that that's a that's a safe way of of going about it. Yeah. Definitely, definitely Google James Rodapaw's work a couple weeks before. Definitely. How do you? I mean, how do you? Do you know ahead of time who the judges are going to be? I mean, could you could you curate your set based on who the judges are? R- roughly, you know, there's only I want to say there's only eight eight official judges, or maybe maybe there's like That's twelve seven. official judges. So there, there's not like total that 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 uh, like can judge uh, that they they're master smiths. That because to, to be a master smith judge is kind of a tier above being a master smith. Not yeah. all master smiths get to judge. So it's really a mm-hmm. small group of people. Hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them choose to do it because there's a lot of people who've judged in the past that won't do it anymore. And it's, you know, like it, it's about more of um, the style that they want to see coming through. Uh, I might have to mute the mic for a sec. Don't worry about it. Don't Puppy worry. Love. About it. So what? I mean, tell me your sense of nervousness. I know I, I was texting with Will. I think the morning of. I think I was probably texting with Matt the morning of. 
What was everybody's nervousness the day you show up to you show up to Atlanta? I made the joke before. I said, "Ah, oh, Will's gonna Will's gonna flail to the end." He called me up saying you put the jinx on me, and, I, and apparently I did. And I'm not mad about. It. I'm not. I'm not gonna apologize. Be honest with you, Will. I, I I think like I said, peril is good for the blood. I'm not afraid of a little peril. Yeah, I so I I myself I was feeling kind of all right. I was like, well, I'm not gonna change anything about my knives, but. Late that night, Ryan Brewer texted me and said, Hey, man, do you have sandpaper and, like, stuff to sand? Because he had a TSA agent leave a big old rusty fingerprint in the middle of one of his knives. Get out of here. Thankfully, I had a bench vise and sanding sticks and sandpaper, and he was able to get it completely fixed literally 15 minutes before we went to, like, walk up and wait outside to submit our knives. I woke up to those Instagram stories and was like, oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, that's out, That's insane. I mean, we yeah. can't. there are certain things that are out of your control. Well, he, I would so, not be able to fly no matter and, how far away I was. I wouldn't be able I mean, to do that. He had, like, he had them all oiled, wrapped in cloth. In their in their cases, with a note on top that said, "Like, hey, these knives are headed to be judged at an exhibition. Uh, please, do please do not touch the blades." Yeah, and that TSA agent was just like, "Watch this, yeah. thumb, thumb." Yep. So, yeah. so I mean, you're coming down. I mean, we talked a little bit. You were on knife talk, knife talk uh, the Thursday of. I mean, tell me, tell me your feelings that day. You you, you, you all passed your performance test. You're all. Coming down, a new, I know that there's nervousness and there's, you know, tell me, tell me the stories of your, how you felt. Who you want to go first? Anybody. I'll, I'll go first because mine, I'll go first because okay. mine, mine involves Will. So I told you, <laughs> I told you on the last podcast that one of my moves was to take my fifth and my sixth knife into when I get my pass on Thursday and find some Master Smiths to look at them and tell me which one. I didn't want to take my whole set like Will did. And have everybody look at them. I wanted just like that's really my only choices I have left is like number five or number six. And the first person I was going to ask was Franco. And the first two people I see is Will and Franco looking at his set. And I went, well, not handing my knives to him after Will's set because Will's crushing it. So I actually didn't end up showing my knives to anybody. I just went with the more modest of the of the few, but. That was interesting. I think kind of like for me, my core group was the the guys here and uh, Ryan Brower. Is it Brower or Brewer? I think Brewer. I always Brewer. say Brower. Brewer. Ryan Brewer. That's who I'd really been like bouncing ideas off of and you know encouraging each other back and forth on Instagram. So that's kind of who like we were texting when we saw each other. We were like sharing our experiences and I think it was pretty funny because. James said that he was going to get to the testing thing at, what did you say, 6 o'clock? And I was like, I'll be there at 5.45. Well, I end up showing up at like 7.35, which is technically only five minutes after they like open the doors. But I was one of the last people to put my knives on the table. Like I walk up to this group of 40 guy, 40 plus people waiting to get tested, plus a lot of them had either like a wife or friends or something. So there was like... I don't know how many people were out there, 60, 70 people. And immediately, James and Will are like, go put your stuff on the table. Just go right in. I was like, oh, oh God. And I was confident. I mean, the night before, I had done a little hand sanding. I'm not going to lie. I didn't sleep very well. But I was like... What were you sanding on? Just uh, nothing. Just, you know, a blade or two. (laughs) Like, literally the twirl area that you should never touch. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, man. Just... 
just I don't know. At one point, maybe I wiped it and I had one line, you know, going the wrong way on the block, and I was like, I was like, do I leave it? Do I sand it? So I got a business card out, and I'm using you know thousand grit with the edge of a business card because I didn't have any tape to tape the guard up. Anyway, didn't sleep very well. I get there, you know, they say go in, and I'm like, oh god, okay. So I figured we were all in line to put them in, but they shoot me in. I go in, and like I said. The one of the only spots and where Franco had told me to put my stuff down was in between two guys that were very high level. And I turned, I turned straight to Franco. I was like, "Dude, can I, can I have another spot?" And he was like, "No, that's where you're going. I want you right in between these two. You're gonna get judged hard." He was awesome. Like he really put me through the ringer. Uh, so I really enjoyed getting his feedback. And then basically went out. First of all, as I'm putting my knives. Put the first one down, wipe it, oil it, a little bit of little little bit of oil, wipe it down, put it down. By the time I get to the second one, my hands are you can't see it, everybody, but my hands start shaking and I don't get that way. And I was like, Oh my god, I am like top level nervous. It might have been the coffee, I don't know. But I I started getting nervous as I put them down and by like the fifth one I'm like trying to, you know, shuffle the deck, see which one looks better here or there, which one do I want them to pick up first, that kind of thing. Everything goes through your mind. It doesn't really matter. There's no tr- you're not fooling anybody at that point. But I go back out and then one of the one of the best experience of the whole thing was no matter what level of maker you are, um all of us stressed out the exact same amount. Yeah. Like the guy, the old heads that were already worthy to be master smiths, and the you know the fresh fresh guys, we all were sweating together, all telling nervous stories. Everybody was sharing their their knife that didn't make the set, and we were all picking it. You know, like being hard on ourselves. Everybody was so hard on themselves; it was very funny. Everybody was like, "Here's my sixth one; it sucks." And I'm like, "Damn, that's better than my first one." <laughs> and like that whole experience was was a lot, but it was good to do it all together. We all sweated, I think, about the equal amount. So, do what they do is everyone comes at the same time, or they stagger people, or how does it? How does the organization of the day, of the day of judging work? Well, this I mean, was a very unusual year because the amount of people. So, I think they did this year completely different than they normally do. Yeah. So they they first had the master smiths go in. Uh, they they had us all lay out first, and then they had the master smiths go in one by one. And they came out, and then they called a small group of people testing for journeymen. And I think it was like 10, 10 people or so that they called yeah. them for journeymen. Yeah, and then and then they opened the doors back up and called the rest of us in. Well, and they, they, said, well they, they let those guys out first, and they were all kind of bummed out and whatnot. They were all, you know, someone. They were hard to read, and, though. It was. And, yeah. and I, I, someone said they were like, "Did they just call everyone who failed in?" And, and, yeah. And now we all get to go look at our sets. And you think it was one way or the other. I can't do that. I think, can I think they? Kurt Holland said That's that. It. I was like, "No way, they did that." And then we walked in, and all of our sets were there with little note cards that said "passed" written next to them. There were a couple people who got called in. So I think what they did is the people that were not close to passing, they called in first. Yeah, and then there were two or three. People, yeah, that were close that they wanted in the room to talk to oh, okay. after. God. So there were a few people who did fail that they called in in yeah. a big group. Oh, so, interesting. I didn't know There that. was, yeah. yeah. I thought that everyone who they called in passed. Huh. No. No. Yeah. I uh yeah. Nick Rossi. You're you're up in Maine. Yep. You're doing your thing. You're yep. ready to go. Yeah. You're you're making sure everything looks perfect. Yep. You fly down? 
Mm-hmm. Tell me, wh- are you nervous at this point? I mean, you're like you're like what I ca- what I consider the journeyman of journeymen. That you're in it for student for life. This is just a part of your situation. Growth is just part of your humanity. Take me through how you're feeling going down to Atlanta. Well, I would say that um, I was pretty nervous, but I was less nervous for master than I was for journeyman. Um, I think journeyman is way more nerve wracking than that than master. It's just because you know there, there's a there, there's a little bit of room there, right? Because you're you're a journeyman. Like you know there there are some things that could be improved upon. That's the whole point. But you know which things are okay and which things are not. And that's why judging for journeyman is really hard on those, on those, on those guys and guys and gals. Um, so I was less nervous, um, than I was for journeyman, but I was still really nervous. I mean, I think of, uh, some of the best knife makers I know have had to do their MS test twice. I mean, some uh, knife makers that I would consider better than me technically, you know, so I, uh, I, I really thought that it could go, it could go either way. I mean, was there anything in your set that you thought a couple days before, whatever, this one thing is going to not fit? Did you, what kind of like micro adjustments did you have to make where, or that you felt like at what point, okay, we're done. It's done. It's all over. It's all over. They're finished and ready to go. I'm going to wrap them up. Yeah. I, I would say that, it, it, you know, it, I was a week out before I had everything as done as it was going to get. And that was the worst part, having to spin my wheels. You know, I, I was able to, you know, do some production work and keep, you know, and keep, keep, keep my head busy. But I kept on staring at them, and I knew in my mind that, like, the die is cast. That this is it. This is this is the set right there. But just, you know, emotionally, just, just focusing on doing stuff that you have to do until it's time. It's time to rock and not and not mm. worrying about it was was hard. It was hard. And how, how long did it take you to do your whole set? Uh, six or seven months. You know that in doing in doing other stuff too. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide I'm just not going to tell anybody I'm doing this? Oh, I had I had no plans to tell anyone about any of it. I mean, I, I got I, I did I did my did my performance test with Don a couple of years ago, uh, and I didn't tell anyone about that. And I told I told maybe four people that I was testing, and even that was four people too many. Um, I you know I didn't want people asking me about it. It's, it's a really it's a really personal thing for me. Uh, it's a really personal struggle uh, that I felt that I I had to do myself. And I don't I mean I don't care what, what 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 other people do, but I've seen so many social medias. Oh, I'm going for my master smith this year. Oh, gonna crush it. And then you you, know, you have all these all these people like patting them on the back and saying, Yeah, you're gonna crush it, bro. You're gonna crush it. And then you never hear about it again. And uh, and a lot can happen, and I didn't wanna I, I didn't wanna be that guy. I wanted to I wanted to tell you, tell everyone when I knew that that I got it. I was well, say, you... if we hadn't been there to catch you doing it, would you have told anyone that you had done it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, after I got it, I got it, I would have you know, I would have announced it, but no, it's too it's just it's too personal. Well, and the ramifications of your decisions were like gangster status. You understand that, right? Yeah. Like the messages, I I I'd never gotten more messages. Do you know what Rossi did? You're never gonna fucking believe it. He just showed up and slapped his knives down and he just left. <laughs> I like. I mean, I'm telling you, I had probably I would say ten people send me messages. You're not gonna believe who's down here and what he just did. It was like a a wraith gangster move. 
It well, was. Well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you know it caused it caused a little bit of a stir. So. Oh, stir! It's That's like cool. Batman reputation. You're like Batman no. now. I mean, it's that like nobody knows where you're. You know when those are going to show up. They don't even know you're going to be on this podcast. These guys are intelligent just now. I just, I just show up. I just show up. That's the. That is the best. That is the highest. I mean, that's from now on. That's just like, yeah, Nick Ross might you turn the corner, and there he is. You never know. I, I, I said it earlier, but honestly, when Nick Nick was the first one to go in and to come out, I think, right? Were you the first one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he came out to like literally a thunderous applause. Like everyone was screaming for a while, and that not only was I so excited to see him get that, but I also my heart sunk. Like, oh my lord. What's going to happen when the first person who doesn't get it and the next person didn't? And it was like, dead silence. I saw one guy walk out from Master who didn't get it. There was Kurt, two. Yeah. There was, no, there was, there was three. Yeah. There were six applicants Four. and only two, got two people it. got it. Oh, I thought, that, I thought only five guys put knives down. Yeah. It was, six. Uh, it was, it was heartbreaking it was to see six. the first one come out who didn't just, get it. Maybe they walked out the other door, not where we were standing. Maybe. Because yeah. you and uh, Niels both walked out of the, the door that you went in. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think we were just confused and wandering around at that point. I don't think that we knew. We knew where, where, where we were going or, yeah, what to think. So, yeah. Poor Niels. Poor Niels. How did you feel when they told you you passed? Or did you get uh, a card? Did you get a card? Or they, like... I, 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 it, it really, it took a few hours for it to really sink in. I kept on looking at my slips to see if they didn't make some mistake, like, and, and that I actually <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't pass. It's a check uh, instead of an X, so they didn't yeah, fill the whole yeah, square so out I, like a, yeah. I, I, was, I was really worried about that. I had to, like, sit down and, and go and go through the slips for a while uh, before I believed it. But, you know, it, it was it was dawning on me after after a while, so I was I was pretty, pretty thrilled. Wow. Awesome. And... I mean, was there anything in your set that you were just like, "This is the this is the one thing that I'm not gonna. This is gonna not make it. This this one f- part of the fluted dagger. This is my problem right here." Is there any moment that you thought this is what's gonna catch me? Yeah, yeah. There was there there, there was one thing. You know, uh, with with my flutes, I wasn't really so sure about a certain aspect of it and then I went through and looked at a bunch of other pictures of, of, of daggers that passed and like they kind of had the same feature so I was like oh well you know maybe it maybe it will be okay and like they uh, they, they saw a bunch of things um, you know just like super super tiny tiny details and it was nothing that I thought was there it was no flaw that I knew it was there it was all new things so that was yeah. really good for me um, you know so same thing like, yeah minor stuff so they give you guys feedback Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yes. what kind of feedback did they give you? Nick? I mean, you don't have to tell. Um, I mean, well, you don't have to say personally. You, you don't know, have to say. I, I no, I don't mind. I, I don't mind saying. Um, you know, uh, and this kind of gets into some sort of you know taste things. Like they, I, I did, I did carbon fiber um, on on a knife on a knife handle. Like I wanted to do like like a 21st century master smith knife, and uh, and that was not received well. Really? Uh, that, that it was not received particularly well. Um, you know, it, it not really being a, a traditional material. So that that was kind of one of the things that they, you know, they weren't they weren't thrilled. And could was, that have been something that would have not passed? No, it just it just made them mad. It just made them mad. No, um, no, yeah, okay. yeah. And, and, and there was uh, on, on one of my knives, uh, the top of the ricotto shoulder was. One was just ever, ever so slightly off of the other, so that was the other one um, that I saw when it was pointed out to me. I mean, it was it was close, but that was uh, that was that was really about it. Wow, James. Yeah. 
tell me how nervous you were, and then the day that you when you brought everything in and you plopped everything down. So um, the day prior, me and Will were walking around quite a bit, and we stopped at with Josh Fisher. Josh Fisher noticed a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. he failed me. He's the only judge that failed me. I didn't get any fails. Josh didn't fail any of my knives when he did the judging, but he was pointing out some stuff to me, and I was just like, that that put me over the edge. I was like, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe the stuff I see isn't going to be that apparent. Because, you know, you're staring at these knives for, you know, however long you're making them, so you see every single flaw, and you're just, like, fixated on that flaw. And then a, a tiny little gap turns into the Grand Canyon to you, yeah. but it may not be visible to somebody else. So he was pointing out, a, you know, a few things, and he said... I'm not going to tell you if these if these issues are passing or failing because he was a judge. So he's like, I can't tell you that. Right. But he was like, it's a good set. And so I was walking around and I I had like a moron. I put Renaissance wax on my knives to bring them down. And so I had to go outside and sit in the sun for a while and take some oil and wipe all the Renaissance wax off. It took like 30 minutes. And when I got the Renaissance wax off of my keyhole fighter, I noticed two horizontal scratches at the tip. So I had to sand those out. Uh, Luckily, I brought all the equipment I needed to do that. But uh, I got those. But So Josh Fisher, and then I went and uh, talked to Jason Knight. He opened the set, and he was just like, oh, yeah, these are great. You're good. And I was just like, I don't, (laughs) I can't trust that. That was like, uh, like, uh yeah. He's drunk. And it, he was drunk. It's fine. It, we just no, admit it. it. No, that's it was obviously the day I'm kidding. He was completely sober, but he was I'm just kidding. Like, I was joking. I don't know if it's my relationship with him, right? But he was just like, "Yeah, no, you're good." And I was like, "He, you know, he picked him up and looked at him, but he didn't really give any feedback. He's just like, you 'You're going to pass.'" And so I was still, you know, I took it with a grain of salt. Like, uh, you know, he's confident in my work, but at the same time, I still feel like I'm going to fail. Um. So it really started getting bad after I got down there and we put the knives on the table because it was like two hour wait. So and you're just, all in the room. More you're than all two in the hours. Hallway? We're all you know in how the, the hallway pit is right. Right. We're, we're above the pit, and that uh, um, I don't like know what you call one it. Those it's four, like one of the, like the hallway can, that you can see over the side, like a balcony. Yeah, yeah we're oh, all, you're all over the. Yeah. And who's jumping? I mean, it's like well, right. <laughs> that was a that was a joke. It was like <laughs> I gotta I gotta I gotta climb up higher if I'm gonna jump because <laughs> this is on the second floor. But yeah, no. So um, waiting out there, especially like I mean, you know, you know, people like Matt Sagmer, Will Stelter, Kurt Holland, my friend Jeremy Ells, like all of these fantastic knife makers are testing. And we're just like, all of us collectively are so nervous. So like, if you think about the I think high Jeremy level, was most nervous. Jeremy who, was so nervous. Who Jeremy was? Yells. Oh, Jeremy okay. yells. Yeah, he's a guy from Canada, and he was just like, he was nervous. Oh my! When I walked past him to go put my knives down, he was like the first guy in, and his hands were shaking like half inch back and forth as he was wiping yeah. the oil off. He yes, was like, like that. Like. Like really, and the day before we walked around, he was like sweating profusely, like, mm-hmm. like, and and shaking, handing them to Veronique and Jean Louis uh, to ask for critique and whatnot. So he, if I'm he James, was the most nervous person that I saw. When you said that you were out in the outside with the taking the Renaissance wax off, mm-hmm. in my mind, I know I am shaking in the hot sun, 
trying to shakily wipe the wax off, knowing there's a very good chance I could drop one of these. Right. So what I what I did is I, I set my bag up on, uh, you know, they have the concrete or uh, the brick like area that yeah. has the, the plants, like big planter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I set all I set my bag up and then I set all of my um, zipper bags out. And I, I was doing it basically over those with like paper towels on top, and I was using uh, some oil. Look at Jeff's face. I'm so anxious. I, was, I, I, was so I, I know I'm just like shaking, and the sun's in my head, and I'm just like, this is, I gotta go home. I just gotta go I home. I had to have the sun to melt the Renaissance wax, <laughs> and then I was taking like, it was like mineral oils. Uh, we I got it from. Um, Trojan knife ice. They they yep. gave me this oil sample in Texas, and it really helped get the the wax off it. It like brought the the melting point lower, so I was a- able to get it off pretty well. And luckily, I didn't drop anything. But as soon as I saw those two horizontal scratches, like my 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 heart just like sunk. And I was mm. like, I I've got to get these out. And I sh- I showed it to Steve Schwartzer, and he's like. Just take some pan- sandpaper and pull it off the tip. You'll be good. Like, <laughs> that's oh. a good. That's a good impression. Yeah. Not about that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No. And it's great. He was one of the judges too. So it's and a lot of these guys, you know, they tell you. And but Steve also likes to joke around with everybody. And so he's like, "Oh, you're you're gonna fail either way. Just oh, go funny. ahead and clean all up." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and it was. It was immensely stressful, uh, and it, it was all—it was all like self-involved. It was—it was all myself. There was no yeah. reason for me to have stress that much because they, they were the five nicest knives I've ever made. I mean, regardless if you pass or fail, I would think that that's the ultimate goal of the testing: is you're putting yourself in this position of trying to do the very best you ever can do, or at at your and your decision to make the best knives you ever can make yeah for sure Uh, that's what i said in the last podcast like up until i put my knives on the table i was so solid in the fact that this isn't what i do and this is the five nicest pieces i'd ever made i was honest i had never made an even one knife that would have passed the js set um i mean the js test and i knew in my heart like yeah if i had a little more time or something like that i probably could have made nicer pieces but those at this point were my five cleanest no no gaps nice plunge lines all that stuff they were my best knives i could put forward so i was really solid on that going in until i put them on the table and then i just soaked in that bubble of nervousness that everybody was in outside and i just joined them hard <laughs> was, what's the, i mean so you guys were waiting for it will you were waiting for two you guys were waiting for two hours to More. figure out so what do you do in those two hours I had a large bag of snacks. <laughs> oh, did you just eat? You ate he did. A, a lot of fruit snacks. There's he was handing snacks food. out. You were handing snacks out? Yeah, to everyone. Some snacks away, some, some bars, cliff bars, bar bar, stuff like that. We're just, we're just hanging out. We're having a good time. I, well, I, was, I was kind of the other way. I like put my knives on the table, and I was like, well, that's done now. Is. No point in worrying about it. That's I not f- going to help anybody. I feel like Will was like the medic. Like, you know, when you go get your blood drawn, they give you like a snack. He was making sure everybody had snacks so they wouldn't faint. Yeah. What a what an Eagle Scout you were. I can totally was. see you. Are you all right, buddy? He hey, really okay, did buddy? that. You he did your that the for the full time. Okay, buddy? Here, have a, have a fruit snack. He was saying, exactly. with some free snacks? No, it, it, honestly, it was a great, it was, it, was a, it was a fun morning. Like, we had coffee, we... 
we were just hanging out. We were telling telling jokes, talking about knives. It was just it was like it was like a sober early morning version of the pit. Were you were there any moment were there was there anybody who was really not handling it well? Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I like, like, all right, what's Jeremy doing? What, I mean, what is he like, rocking back and forth he's in the fetal pacing. position? He's, yeah, pacing. He was sweating. He was white. Shaking. He was so pale. He, he's like, he's like high energy under the best of, like, like the best of circumstances. And this was not the best of circumstances for him. So, yeah. yeah. What was yeah. he nervous about? Passing? I, I don't know. His knives were beautiful. I cannot imagine why he, he was so nervous, but whatever. He honestly, aesthetically, his set is my favorite. Because yeah. he didn't do the standard ABS. He he took a lot of design liberties, and his his set was beautiful. Yeah, um, it was super nice. But he he's just he's a nervous person to begin with. I was talking to him, geez, like a couple weeks before Blade Show, and he was like, "I'm I'm I'm done. I I messed up a knife. I'm not gonna test." And I was just like I'm talking him off a cliff. And then he's done classes with uh, Dave Lish. And as I'm talking to him, Dave Lish is calling him up on Instagram. And so he's like, oh, I got to take this. And Dave Lish talked him off the ledge. But he, yeah. like, a couple weeks prior, he was just like, no, I can't. I'm not going to be able to test. I, I remember when that happened. I was like, man, I don't know what happened, but you can fix it. Yeah. 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 Do you think it's Says because Wolf. it's such a personal journey and you're working by yourself and you're not working? This isn't like a class where you're able to kind of like bounce ideas off each other or work in unison with another group and kind of understand the, because it isn't like, you know, if you took, if you took a class where you learn the technical aspects of everything, I mean, there is a million ways to skin a cat. So I would imagine that when you, especially when you see what other people are doing and you're like, everyone's solitary and then they all meet together for this thing and it's kind of a group finish, but not really. Yeah. I would imagine that the self doubt is like through the roof. Yeah, for sure. I mean, both of these guys sitting here, they both uh, didn't talk me off a ledge so, so much as, like, just definitely, like, encouraged me personally through some different things. Like, I asked Will, like, two days before, like, hey, are we supposed to sand the side of the choil, like, going lengthways of the blade? Or, like, I didn't even think about that. I, I had everything done but that. And he was like, uh, yeah. And he like, he's like, yeah, everything this way. And I was like, oh, shit, I never even thought about that. James actually called. We had a a phone call. Uh, was that two days before? Yeah. And I, I, I had I asked him. I texted set. him. Yeah, I texted him. I said, "Hey, man." He's like, "I said, I'll 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 answer this first if you don't want to answer it." I was like, "But, like, are you a hundred percent on everything on your set? Like, what's your percentage?" And he was like, "Call me." <laughs> so we had we had a call, and he's like, "No, of course not." He's like, "I'm you know in the high nineties," and I was like, "Okay, I'm in the high nineties," and like. We just had a chat and we're like, you know, it calmed me down a little bit. I wasn't say I was freaking out, but like one thing that, like how we were talking about before you asked Nick, like what was one thing that you were stressing out that you didn't think was good enough? I had this one piece on my most simple knife, the little hunter I made with the bronze guard. I didn't notice it in my shop lighting until I got to Blade Show and I looked at it in the hall, in the main hall. There was like a place where my guard and my handle met where my wood was a little undersized and I didn't even notice it just on the back corner. And I, I don't know why I started having like a freak out about it. I honestly was like, well, this is it. Like there's, that is not acceptable. And no one even said anything about that to me. My notes, my notes actually, all of them were the same, um, where they didn't, not all of them, but I had two, two people gave me notes. One person failed me and the other person just left a note and passed me 
where they didn't like my plunge lines, and I was so confused. So when they called us all in, sorry if I'm rambling. No, go ahead. Tell me. So when they called us all in, um, Mr. Rodderball said, you know, if there's notes, please stand by your knives. If you have no notes, go ahead, feel pack up. You can go ahead and leave. Congratulations, you guys all passed or whatever he said. And he's but he he made he stressed that if you have notes, please stand by your blades and, and at least one master smith will come by and talk to you about them. So I had the first guy came by and he said he pat me on the back and I, I have I had all my notes laid out so they could like one by one like address what maybe was wrong with him and he was like good job buddy you knew you passed you did a great this is a good set solid set and he moved on and i was like oh, well, uh. i was like you know all this stress not necessarily stress but just everything anxiety had anxiety had boiled up and then you kind of want it to like a pimple you want it to get popped and you want to hear some critique because everyone's patted you on the back on this point so you kind of want that rough love a little bit and like he didn't give it to me and then i asked um Cuisenberry came over and I asked him and he he kind of like said you know the same thing and I was like no 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 like can you tell me what the plunge line critique is because that's the one thing I had zero fear about like mine I had like a under a microscope looking to see if they were the same or not and stuff like that he was like well the only thing I can see is that your plunge line in regard to you know the where the blade comes out from the choil I guess what do you call that little the 90 degree, I guess, whatever. We're in relation to it, I had my plunge line in a different spot on all my knives. Because honestly, I didn't really know what the standard was. Oh. So I just like, I'm just going to put one a little high, one a little low, one in the middle. I just kind of mixed it up so that I could at least like make somebody happy with at least one of my knives. And he said, actually, consistency would have been better uh, to show that you had control and you were putting them in the same spot every time for your style. It looked, He said it may come off to someone else as if... You didn't know what you were doing, and you couldn't hit that line that you were going for each time. So he's like, consistency is a big thing. Uh, the plunge line location is kind of a personal preference, uh, but like he said, that might have been it. And that you know, at least I got some feedback. And then I went over to Franco, of course, who gave me a big hug, said congratulations, kissed me on my cheek, and then he grabbed me by the shoulders, and I was like, because we're friends, so we we. You know, it depends where we are. We, he might talk very professionally with me, and then maybe in the pit we'll like goof off and like have a fun conversation about fishing or hunting or something. But he grabbed me by the shoulders with both his hands and kind of like not shook me, but like firmly to to like say make a statement physically, like we're going from being friends to I'm now I'm gonna be rough on you. And he said to me, "You're never gonna make a knife that's as bad as any of those five right there ever again." He said, "Every knife." from now on is going to be much better than that you're better than those five knives i'm super proud of you but you you have to be better from this on your journey doesn't stop at js you need to make it to ms and to make it there these five knives will never do he's like you have to be better we're gonna get cleaner i want you to go home relax spend time with your wife then make a knife make a video make a knife make a video and then we're going to start into the art of the knife, which you don't have down yet. And I was like, like, and I mean, this is longer than what I just said, but I went from like, yay to this like, sucks. okay, you're right here. Not this sucks. Like, I honestly love that. I, I love him so much because if you're going to look up to somebody as a knife maker, like he's pretty much as high as you can look. And, uh, the way he approaches knife making is just, uh, 
there's art in it, but he'll also make a very like he makes a lot of very plain knives too during the year. Like he enjoys not just being the best in show award winner, which he did win, but he also enjoys saying like, but what I do is I make things that are supposed to be used, and he he's like both echelons of it. Um, so getting his feedback and that that like hitting it home to me that yes I passed. But at this point, you know, this isn't the end of the journey. Like we're gonna, we're gonna get better, and 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 really made me instead of having this like ah moment, I went, oh yeah, okay, that's right. I'm gonna calm down, but game's still on. Like we got a lot to do. So it's kind of like it's kind of like when you have your first kid and you watch the movies where the wife is pregnant or the pregnant, and then the and then the baby's born, and that's the end of the movie. But that's really the beginning of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Beginning of life. Yeah. So, so Will and Nick, Will and Nick. Are you, you're doing your thing. We're just call him Wick. Wick. No, we're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Nick, tell me about your approach. Tell me about your approach to understanding from what Matt said in regards to Journeyman Smith is the is now the new beginning since you had your JS. What were some of the things that you took with you to get you to the point of being ready to test for master smith what was that kind of leveling up like well you know it 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 really just came down to a lot of practice uh so i'm i'm pretty lucky in the sense that i do some sort of semi-production stuff i mean it's still all handmade by me but you know in multiples so uh grinding 20 pairing knives you just practice getting your shoulders perfect on every one of those pairing knives like the skills apply in that in that in that production work, um, so I kind of tried to practice all of those fundamentals and sharpen those fundamentals until it was not even a worry um, by focusing on my more like prosaic you know knives I make every day. So that that was really fo- focusing on that was was a big help. Um, yeah, that was that was really about it. And I've been I've been doing this for a long time, and I don't make a lot of like master smith style knives, so I sort of stuck with things that I I was I was very confident with things that I, I knew I could do uh, repeatedly. Hmm. Will Stelter, what yes, was? Yes. Tell me about the lint. Was there an <laughs> issue with lint? Because I, we is, talked before, and I always thought I would imagine my mind i would imagine that when you're putting everything down if there's too much lint you might have a problem well you know i did bring you know i i I cleaned out my dryer filter beforehand so i had a nice ball of lint just in case i noticed anything uh as i was sitting and i was on the table like a good you know four inch round ball right you know just in case yeah of course um at the end of the day Despite uh, looking at my knives in the Cobb Galleria lighting, oh my God. which is <laughs> just so the worst, worst of all time. If you, if, if you want to find any flaw in your knife, go in there and you will find it. Next yeah. year, I'm going to bring my own lamps to put over my table, I think. I did that yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. These little ring lights I brought. Yeah. These little that's, guys that's and had a battery. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of rushed my set. I I planned for I mean for three years. I know that this was the year that I was going to test, and then 
like Matt said, I just like had project after project. Where I was like, oh, well, I'll have enough time. It'll be fine. I'll have enough time. And then I spent six weeks on my first knife and then did a lot of knives in the ten days before Blade Show. You know what I really liked about your set, Will, is like, it's kind of what I went for, but it totally didn't end up that way, is that your set really looks like a set, like, looks like it could be presented in, like, a like a briefcase-style case. Like, you remember, like, uh, dueling pistols and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They look like yours all were, like, a set. Like, if yeah, you ordered was, yeah, the Will Stelter set, that that's... That's I, I kinda, it. Yeah, I, I very much wanted to do that because I was like, well, you know, like these are going to be photographed, and you know, that's that's going to be my journeyman set for forever. So mm-hmm. yeah, I might as well make them all. You know, I just thought it'd be a little fun thing to do. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. So, so yeah. is the is the correct move? Should we all call the cat the Cobb Gallery uh, Cobb Gallery and ask them the lighting that they have so we can have one of those bulbs in our shop to make sure that yeah, our, exactly. knives, our knives are going to look as, I mean, as bad there and then we can really figure it out. Is That's that one thing idea? I would encourage people is to not just look at them in your shop light. Mm-hmm. And where, I, I mean, where, just like Will. Let's I, call it maintenance. Call it maintenance the Cobb Galleria. Get some, get some numbers. Where it comes from the Cobb Galleria is that, first off, there's so many lights and they're so far away and there's black Dissipate. space in between. So you're getting the reflection of the warm lights the bright, the white lights, and the black space in between, and so any inconsistency in any satin finish is going to show up like crazy, yeah. um, and and be accentuated very. It was actually way. worse in that room than it was in the judging room by oh, far. Way worse. Way worse. Th- Thursday was the worst. The lighting in there because they didn't have all the lights on, and so you just had the. They were the harshest lights that they had on. And it, it just exposed every little shadow, every little scratch, like it, and any grinding inconsistencies. Super easy to notice in that lighting. It was that lighting was scary. Uh, and spe- I mean, I anymore after that. I have you know just like well, I have like film lighting. So like I had multiple spot like but right before glue up, I would take everything into the main shop area into our blacksmith shop area. I would turn all the spotlights on, and then I had this big overhead light that I do for my talking heads that has, like, a diffuser thing set up on it, like a grid system, so it kind of mimics, like, what Will was talking about. It's supposed to not have any hot spots or low spots. It's supposed to be real even. And I looked at it, and I was, like, solid, and it still is not, like, what that gallery or room is. It is brutal. I think what I'm going to do from here on out is have a, have a single point of light in a dark room. Maybe to look for that sort of thing. Yeah. What, what what do you do for that, Nick? Uh, I I just do the best I can. I would just look at every type of light that that I have and just do the best I can. You know. <laughs> yeah. Nick's like I just don't mess up. What was your <laughs> Nick? I mean, what was your I mean that that feeling waiting those two hours? I mean, how did you feel? You'd done the best you can. Now, from what I understand, the journeyman Smith has a set of rules. The journeyman test is a set of rules. Master Smith has to be perfect. He had I mean, less time to wait. What's perfect? Uh, yeah, I had I had less time to wait, and you know, and by, by perfect it is, you know, by like the limits of human ability. I mean, you know, it, yeah, ninety-eight percent, super narrow, narrow margin. You know, um, so yeah, waiting. Uh, you know, it was uh, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Luckily, I was surrounded by a bunch of my friends, so I could kind of distract myself by just you know shooting the breeze with them and just kind of. Trying to you know pass the time and uh, and I, I was lucky enough to get called in first, so they went in they you know they told me I passed like they gave me uh, they gave me some notes 
and and I and I was like, well, do you want me to get my set? And I was like, and they're like, no, 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 you get out of here. You know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll call you later on. And so, so I go out, and then a few minutes later, John Corrigan pokes his head out and says in front of the whole crowd, "Hey, Nick, we actually found a few problems, and we really need to talk to you." Oh. And so I walk in, and he's like, I'm just messing with you. But nobody outside the door knew that he was messing with me, so it was a bunch of people that thought that there really was something. That's awesome. Wrong. I missed that. Uh, and they were like, those judges are really in a bad mood today. Oh, um, no. So I went and got my knives. And so everybody that. in that hallway must have been like, we are all in trouble. We're yes. all in big trouble. Yeah. That's when I first walked into the to the – to the hallway where everybody was standing and i saw nick i thought he was just because there's a lot of people there just there for support and encouragement i thought that's what he was doing i didn't know he was testing at all until later and then i, I asked him i was like what do you i honestly thought he was a master smith i don't know why i th- already thought he was because he teaches people who are master smiths so i kind of thought that and uh when he said he was testing for master smith i was like what so that was cool so you're on mute you guys are mute. You're mute. All right. Yeah, we're back. You were saying? You were gonna say Nick? Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I was. All right. <laughs> Why well, you read? I, so I guess I was talking to Will before. I know you're eating a burrito. I'll leave you alone for a second. But what is what is the thing of? So Matt, you drove. James, you drove. Nick and Will both flew. I know when you're driving, you're packing your car up for your stuff and then what you need. How much extra equipment to fix problems did you bring? Because in my mind, you know, I'm driving, I'm bringing the shop with me. All of it. What's I didn't even the, bring any changes of clothes, man. What I did you, what's the tools. biggest piece of equipment you brought? Me? Yeah. Well, I didn't bring a... Yeah, I brought a couple couple vices. I brought... Um, all, all of my hand sanding paper, I brought literally every, like, you know how Will and I both posted in our Instagram stories, and I think, James, how much, like, the, our bench tops were just wrecked? <laughs> I yeah. went like this and put them into a bin. Like, everything. Glue, just in case. I brought a couple extra pieces. I made some extra, like, almost finished stabilized wood handles. I don't even know why I thought I'd be able to do anything with that, but I was like, I'm bringing everything. I All I used was... A little wood pad with some leather backing to it, and just did a couple fine strokes here and there, and a business card. But I brought literally everything: a hand drill, oh a, dr- a Dremel, what do you need a hand drill, a Dremel. Uh, who knows? Oh, if you're down to the Dremel, dude, if you're I got down a, to the so, Dremel. You're in your in your hotel room. We're down with the Dremel. We got problems. I well, you know, maybe a little buffing compound okay, on something, okay, you know, because yeah, I did a. Stuff. One of my concerns is that one of my knives had a copper guard on it, and I was kind of freaking out about. I had actually seen a post on the ABS forums about, like, you're allowed to, but we don't really encourage copper because it can tarnish, especially if you're traveling through different uh, humidity and stuff like that. And, like, your finishes can look a lot weirder in person, like, after they've been in cases for a couple days. So I was nervous that the copper was going to look real tarnished, like an old penny or something crappy. So I, that was one of the reasons I brought, like, a little buffing wheel and a Dremel. But, yeah, I think everybody brought the max amount they could if they drove. Yeah, I brought all of my hand sanding sticks. Like, I have very specific ones. Oh, yeah, I brought I the all, little sticks, too. All the yeah. integrals, yeah. so I had to have... It, it's it's one thing fitting up a knife with a guard. It's a whole nother ball game hand sanding if you do all integral guards. Because, mm-hmm. like, now you have to sand, hand sand all those points. Think about trying to get to all of those points to hand yeah. sand. That was... 
that was difficult. And then everything was at a 90 degree. So my ricassos were set at a 90 degree trying to hand sand without scratching my ricasso. So I brought all of that stuff. And then I had my 600 grit sandpaper and I have this cloth back sandpaper. It's at it's 600 grit, but it's uh, more of like a burnishing grit. It, it doesn't really bite like sandpaper does. So you get a really clean finish and it's a lot less likely to get J hooks. Um, then I brought like oils and stuff like that and uh, yeah. sunshine cloth. I didn't yeah, bring like, the whole shop. I should have brought a vice or a clamp, but I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I didn't do integrals, but I actually was astonished when it came down to the last like three days before I glued up how many different little tools and jigs and stuff I ended up making. I cut up like so many different two by fours. I made all these different shaped bench pins to do some little things here and there i had to make like these little tang recesses and like some wood pieces for the guard tap on because i didn't think about that all my guards were like so tight that you'd have to beat them on that's how i wanted them and then when you polish your blade out you're not really are you going to clamp that in a vice after you're polished which i ended up doing anyway but i like i yeah i made so many tools which is nice because now i have them like displayed and I can use them now, but I, I didn't expect that. All the different sanding shape sticks and, yeah, a lot of little tools and things you don't get taught that you end up having to make sometimes individually per knife. And for you, Nick, I mean, as Master Bladesmith, I would imagine <laughs> that there's, I mean, you're doing, you know, finished, etched, uh, you know, finished Damascus blades. There's no fixing those. You how much know, coffee room. did you? How you much coffee re- did you bring? I mean, how oh. much you didn't bring fair chloride with you in coffee, right? I mean, I didn't. I didn't bring anything. I brought like a couple squares of sandpaper and a sanding stick and some cold blue and a couple, uh, you know, a couple um, Q-tips. That was it. So what's the? So here's the question I have for you, Nick. This was. This was an extraordinary class of people testing. Yes. What do you attribute? I mean, you know, what? At one point, it was like sixty up to sixty people are testing. What yeah. do you attribute it to? There's such a huge amount of people in the class. Well, I gotta tell you, I mean, I've never. I mean, no one's ever seen anything like it. Uh, I, I mean, when I did my my JS, there were fifteen people. I think sixteen people, and I was like, wow, really big class. You know, this is a huge class of JS. Um, and I, I mean, I, I know, I think it's a combination of a bunch of different factors that are driving people towards the ABS. I mean, it is, it is sort of a beacon of quality and of a standard and people are looking, looking to check that box They're They're looking to saying that like, I, you know, my knives are held to this standard and they, and, and the ABS is the only, the only group that's, that's kind of, you know, thrown down the gauntlet in that sense. Mm-hmm. And, you For know, sure. they, they want you to pass, uh, but they're not afraid to say no, and that and that and that means that that means a lot. So yeah, yeah, it has a it has it has to do with with uh, the internet and forge and fire, and this now being not a mainstream thing to do, but you know in sort of the cultural consciousness, uh, you know, and I think that 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 is what is is feeding this is be, is feeding this interest. Yeah, I, it feels sure. like it feels like the best part is the fact that there is a three-year waiting period before you once you become a member to the, your first shot at testing. Yeah. So you're almost weeding out. A, you would I would imagine you're weeding out a big group of people. I'm sure there's a million, a lot of yeah. apprentices. Yes. And <clears throat> the fact that there was this 
giant spike. And I, probably some of it had to do with COVID, too. Absolutely, I mean, there were probably yeah, sure. some people who, I mean, not, I don't think a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm on, I believe that this is, a, a, this is, you know, the results of people on the Internet and YouTube and people on COVID, def- I've heard, I asked a lot of people, honestly. So COVID definitely had something to do with it. Um, not only did they cancel a year, but then even last year, there were some states where you couldn't really travel out of. Mm-hmm. Like Parkinson didn't come last year. You didn't come last year. A lot of people didn't come out from the Northeast. So that had played a little bit. I thought that COVID would have played a bigger role. But honestly, all of us sitting here. So like, let's just go back maybe six years. If a 12-year-old kid came up to you and showed you their first knife, you had to be really kind to that kid because that was horrible, right? Almost always. Now there's kids 12, 13 years old coming up to me at Blade Show showing me their first knives. And they're, if not passable for JS, close. And it's like, the ki- people are getting started earlier. So, the, I mean, we had a whole different range of ages testing for JS this year. From young to, you know, guys in their mid-50s. So, I, I think starting earlier and being held to, like, you know... Guys like Will and Alec and and, and uh, um, Kyle Royer and people who are doing that level of work on YouTube, um, it, it's starting to show. Make a bit. I would Fortune Fire might get somebody into it, but once they get into making nicer things, they're gonna have to find a place to learn if they don't go to a class like somebody like Nick. You know, so YouTube, there are some higher end guys out there showing you how to do things and. You know, I think it's starting to really show. And this is kind of crazy, but, like, the ABS for a long time has treated the Internet as, like, a fad that's going to go away soon. Yeah. You know, like, they they, they really, you know, haven't embraced that. And it's almost boosted their credibility in in a lot of ways, that that it it is this thing that's that's outside of the Internet. It's a thing that's older than the Internet. It's uh, it's a thing that, you know, has, has a real solid history. And... They're unconcerned with with trends. They're un, they're they're unconcerned with the ups and downs of of trends. So they they, uh, they they've kind of created this this almost mystique by not plugging into that, which I think actually attracts people in a weird sort of way, right? Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, I mean, it's a st- but it is that standard. It's that standard that's been the same for such a long period of time that it's on there and and they're unwilling to change to change with the times. You know, the fact that they gave you fritz about carbon fiber is fantastic. Only because it's just like, okay, Nick, not don't do don't show me that G ten next year. You know, yeah. there's a I mean there I think that they're I think you're a thousand percent right in terms of the fact that they are stalwart and they're and they're keeping this level that people can apply to and you can learn how to make knives on the internet and you can test and maybe you'll pass, maybe you won't. I mean it's gonna be it doesn't matter. It has this degree of the proof is in the pudding and it's bringing what you have yeah that said though like they definitely have evolved with standards i've seen a lot of mastersmiths say that that it's actually the people who enter the knives that have upped the standard it's not necessarily the judging critiques but i know for sure that they've they've evolved a little bit well a lot of it to be honest some of those like js sets that you see maybe like you know, early 2000s would not pass now. No. Like, I know that for sure. And, like, for instance, uh, the guy I did my uh, performance test, uh, Jay Hendrickson, he's, you know, he was top of the ABS board for a while. Like, he's top echelon. 
and the ABS and some of the things he was telling me uh, no offense like he makes brilliant knives still does um, were not necessarily the current standards um, and so I, I actually sought some some outside information after some of the things he said and said no so you know they, they're just a really good blend of old school and starting to embrace more of the new school and, and I got nothing bad to say about it. that whole experience was life changing for me and I absolutely embraced it and loved it so, I loved how tough they were and I loved that you know, almost every single person I talked to that tested for JS or MS, um, they held themselves to such a high standard and were their worst critics. And that is maybe not how it started. Like, might not have been the ABS's intention, but that is one of the main things the ABS has done. When they, when you get to be a JS or an MS, you yourself could probably judge your own knives whether you pass or fail. You know what I mean? That's part of it. So Nick, last question in regards to this. Is, yes. Do you think do you think that the level of submissions are of higher quality now than they were back in when you first started seeing people submit for JS? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can say that that um, you know, of of the JS's uh, JS sets that I saw, most of them well, I would consider to be better than my JS set that I got you know, five years ago, just stylistically, design-wise, fit and finish. So, yes, 100%. What do you attribute that to? Uh, well, education. I mean, there, there's information that's that's available. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a relatively new phenomenon of being able to get high-quality information that you can do something with fairly easily. Uh, Hammer-ins, events... You know, there's more master smiths, there's more journeyman smiths that, that can help people. And they all want to help. They all want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, you could take just James for an example. Like, think about, uh, I, don't, I don't know exact years, but say, let's go back six years at Blade Show. How many keyhole daggers and, and buoys did you see? Two or three in the entire show. James did one in his JS set. There were you three know? people that did keyhole. It, yeah, and nice. that was like tip-top master smith, like, oh, my God, a keyhole. When, when guys first started doing that, that was, like, mind-blowing. Now we're seeing multiple people do that for their JS set, which is just out of this world. James, were you concerned that you you picked up – my old art teacher would refer to something as being an ambitious project. And then when he said it, <laughs> when he said ambitious, it was always like – he was nicely saying you're biting off more than you can chew. Sure. After listening to what Matt Parkinson said a number of episodes ago where he said, don't do anything you're not comfortable doing or don't do anything that's confusing, was picking a keyhole integral bolster, was that like, that's a bold choice. Yeah, and it's funny you say bold choice because that was the, the highest, uh, that was the most, uh, that was the phrase that was said to me the most. That's real bold. Bold was, move, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I really wanted to push myself as far as skill-wise and, and just knives in general. Like I said, only one of the knives in my set is something I actually had experience doing. I had never done a penny guard. I called Lynn Ray two weeks before the show because I couldn't get the dimensions right on the penny guards. So I, I talked to him, and he gave me dimensions to follow for my penny guard. For um, sure. 
the and the, honestly the penny guard takedown big bowie that I did was the hardest of all of them and I thought the keyhole was going to be the most difficult but I, once I started doing that one because there was 12 total pieces to that so it's hard getting all of those pieces fit up flush but the, the keyhole once I got the block on it I was like alright I'm done that's you know I got it on I got it glued up I didn't pin it it's all friction and epoxy um and then it was just a matter of finishing it at that point, but I had already done two integral guards before that one, so I knew the steps I needed to take to properly finish it without having to backtrack to clean up my work. Yeah. Um, and the integral guards, like, that helped me with the keyhole figure out how to pull those lugs out, because that's not easy. Pulling lugs out on a guard, on, on you know, you're starting with a rectangle, then you make right. a lopsided cross, and then you got to hammer those lugs to where you have enough meat to grind all of the decarve out it was i i definitely did not make things easy for myself nor did i give myself enough time but i'm glad it worked out the way it did i didn't i only had five knives so if if i didn't have a backup i made my five knives and i was like okay this is what i'm submitting if i don't pass i've got next year but um yeah, it was, and that's part of what was stressing me out. I didn't have any backups. I, I was all in with what I had. For people who were planning on testing, what was the one thing that you were most surprised about in your experience and in submitting? What was the one thing that you were surprised you didn't expect to, to have happen? Or to, you know, something you just didn't expect? Well, for me... Uh Honestly, it was like a positive surprise. It was just like being able to reach out. Like I don't – I guess – I don't know. Maybe I put myself on a pedestal a little bit but also like I feel – I've always felt weird asking questions and knife making because I think people assume that I would know the answer because I've done blade work for so long. But it's just what I did my whole career is so much different than actual like ABS style knife making um, that I honestly didn't – I don't know a lot and i learned a lot through this process but i was surprised how open everyone was and that's one of the things that i actually enjoyed about this year the most was not just passing but by the time i got from the judging back to my table there were people already lined up there not just to congratulate but like literally hey i'm gonna i meant to go for mine this year i'm gonna go for my js next year or i'm gonna go in two years and i loved answering every question because if people like james and like will actually answered a ton of questions for me he might not admit it but he actually helped me like a ton with little things that you would think were blatantly obvious um if i didn't have some of that i might not have gotten as far as i did i might have it might have taken me a little while longer to figure those things out on myself. So I absolutely loved the fact that I got to answer some questions for people. I gave people a lot of pe- a lot of people like that I normally wouldn't follow on Instagram. I like I said, hey, follow me. I'm gonna follow you back right now. And any question you have, like hit me up. I'm sure Nick's the same way. Like Master Smith's like I don't know. Maybe we all kind of put each other on this like weird pedestal that. I was nervous to ask Master Smith, so I actually asked more JS Smiths and people going who are doing the test now how to do things because I felt like we were closer. But uh, the few Master Smiths I reached out to, even the ones I would say that might not even be fans of mine, if you know what I mean, uh, who, are, who are critical of me, um, 
were so grateful I mean to just give me information and talk it out and never felt like they were trying to get rid of me they all took tons of time to to answer questions so one of my biggest regrets was not really putting my knives in a master smith's hands ahead of time i recommend people trying to finish a couple weeks early if not a month early go drive to your local master smith and, and uh at least get one opinion because that's that's very valuable but i was very surprised and grateful for the amount of information that people are willing to help you out with it it's the abs like i've had different thoughts about them along the years but like this whole experience made me see how this is like a, a treasure in the smithing community and it's not just the organization it's the individual smiths that make it up everyone who tested for js pass or fail Everyone that sweated together out in that hallway is like a bond that, like, I wasn't in the military, but I imagine it was similar to that. Like, we're, I would help any of them that called me for anything because we were all, even if we didn't share information, it was like this, this web. This guy told this guy, this guy told this guy. We were, we were in it together. It was, it was great. And I just want to encourage people that think they're alone, that might not have friends in the knife making community, reach out to me, reach out to anybody on this podcast, reach out to anybody that's a member of the ABS. I've not once had a bad experience doing that. Nick, what was your biggest surprise? Uh, you know, there wasn't at this point a whole lot that I was surprised <laughs> by. Like I've, you know, I, I I knew I knew kind of what was expected of me, and I knew I knew all all of all of my judges, uh, and that does not make it, it, it easier. I mean, if they if they if they if they know if they know you, they're going to be even harder on you. I mean, that's just right. That that's just how it is. So I, I I knew I knew what was what was expected of me at this point. If you had a suggestion for someone wanting to join this this road. What would you say the road to victory is to prepare you for testing for the ABS? Oh, uh, going to going to Hammerins, going to ABS, ABS sanctioned Hammerins is going to be uh, the key to success because not only they they even have parts of the seminar is is standards, is judging standards, and you sit there with real ABS judges and you can ask them whatever you want. And they tell you Ooh. what to do, and and you know a lot of a lot of journeymen Smiths who fail do so because they don't really know what was expected of them. They didn't read the requirements, uh, and they didn't they didn't attend a hammer and, and ask a real master smith. So yeah. that that that's going to be you know. And I know that it's a pain to travel, and I know that you want you want the answers on your phone, but it's just not you. It's not going to get you there. You gotta yeah. you gotta you gotta show up to an event, something like I, that. I didn't do that, and I highly wish I did because then mm -hmm. I would have not bugged James and people like him as much <laughs> asking him. I I asked so many questions where if I had just done one of those hammer ends, I bet the bulk of my questions could have been answered in like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really, it really. Helps. And take a class, like yes. take take a, take the intro intro to bladesmithing class if you if you can afford it and you have the time, definitely do that because even if you think you're the best maker, you might pick up one trick in your forging that changes your life, or you know just a little perspective shift. Here and there can put you over the edge to being a JS or not being one for sure. Nick, what are the what are the classes that are the ABS sanctioned classes that help you along the lines with the ABS? 
Well, they they want you to take intro to bladesmithing, which is which is a two week workshop, and it's the only class that allows you that 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 takes a year off your weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, they it's it's offered at every ABS school. It's a it's a two week workshop. It's usually taught one week by one master smith, and the next week by another master smith, typically. So that would be the the first step and they also offer a handles and guards class so the idea is you take the two-week class you go home you make a bunch of knives you uh you you refine your 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 blades to the point where you're starting to put handles on them and then uh you can take the handles and guards class which is a focus which is just you know you you show up with finished blades and uh, a few of the schools have been putting an intermediate class in between them where you make a js style you know, like four-inch hunting knife with a guard and a glued-on handle that is you know, kind of close to what they, 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 they want you to make. So a few of the schools are offering that as an intermediate class, which, which really doesn't hurt. Um, but you, you're definitely expected to take, to take that two-week class and go home and, and start, start working on those blades. You take those classes and there's no calling up people saying, is this right? Like you got, oh, yeah. you have the you have the basis for 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 all the questions answered in regards to testing. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You have you have that you have that master smith for for you know for for two weeks. Next question, Nick. Have you did you have to go through any type of or, orientation now that you're master bladesmith? Now people can call you up and say, Nick Rossi, will you do the Ben test with me? And can we do the performance test? Have you gone through any orientation <laughs> on what you're supposed to do? Or you're Nick Rossi, and maybe you don't need that. Uh, well, it, it's pretty clear. They, uh, they, they make it pretty clear on the, on the, uh, the, on the, the ABS website uh, what, what the requirements are for testing. And once you're a master, yeah, you can, you can proctor you can proctor that test. In fact, I've got I've got someone that that I think is going to be doing it with me next week. Will be my first my first. Uh, oh, that's cool. my first yeah, I, no. I, don't, I don't want to call him out. They don't uh, waste any time. That's gonna see. I, I was thinking about it this morning because Will sent me a message saying, "Conan." I'm thinking to myself, the first guy is shooting in hard. He coming in. He he's probably coming. He probably hit you up on Blade Show weekend. I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, he's, he's he's a good friend. Okay, well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying yeah. that, like that, the first Nick yeah. Rossi test, because then your your name will be on his bent blade. I mean, yeah. All of a sudden, that's now something special. Number yep. one. Yep, yeah, it's man. true. That's unbelievable. So, so, what is the takeaway? What is the takeaway? Besides, can, can we all agree that even if you're not a bladesmith or a blacksmith, that joining the ABS is a good idea? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's it's completely worth it. You, the biggest thing is it gives you access to a huge resource. For sure. Like for sure. Just being able to even you know like even if there's no master smiths within your area, there may be journeyman smiths, especially now that there's thirty thirty one more of them. Yeah, you like one hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. And and. Like I said in the last podcast, like I, I recommend it for, say, the 18-year-old or whatever that's just starting making. Get into it now because you're going to be brought up through the right standards. But also somebody like me, um, like I said last podcast, so many people were like, why would you do this? You don't, need to, you don't need to put yourself through that. Dude, I am such a better maker. And honestly, um, 
for me, I was always kind of a little, sh it doesn't seem like it because I'm on YouTube all the time and stuff, but like I was pretty shut off from a lot of the guys in the community. Like my first couple Blade shows, like I didn't really talk to many people, even though people come up to me and like whatever, say, hey, I know you, whatever, but I really didn't feel close. This has brought, I feel like part of the brotherhood, you know what I mean? I feel like a part of something that, um, it's not necessarily the title that got me there. If I had failed, I'd still feel this. Um, I just feel like I went through something with a lot of people and I feel more connected to the community. Like James and I really didn't know each other at all. And now like we're, you know, he's my boy. So things like that happen. And, and that's good because there's a lot of loners and whatnot and introverts in the knife making community. So getting yourself into any society is great, but one that has standards that does nothing but try to push your skills forward is epic. James... What's the take? What's the takeaway? You're now Journeyman Smith. What's the takeaway? Uh, man, I, I, I just pushed myself as much as I possibly could for this test, and if anything, it's only gonna my skill as a bladesmith is only gonna improve because I do plan on going for master in two years. Uh, I just want to push as much as I can skill wise, uh, but it's. Like Matt was saying, it's really nice to to have that group of people. Because, I mean, like, we were all, like, you, not one person in that hallway w was completely calm. You know, it, of course, every, everybody was making, you know, a statement like, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's keeping my mind off of what's going on in that room. Yeah. And stuff like that. So and that and, you know. I'm relatively new to the community in general. Last year was my first time going to Blade Show. The only time I had ever met a Mastersmith before that was at Jason Knight's place when I did my performance test. And so, like, being able to actually get involved and meet these people in the community and talk with them, it's, uh, it's really important, even if you go to Blade Show just as a spectator, like, the networking you can do at an event like this is it's really important Definitely. master bladesmith nick rossi what's the takeaway well um that's an awesome question I, I mean i would say that it was just really a personal goal for me and that was really the biggest thing i i guess i don't really care about all the other stuff that kind of goes along with it i mean yeah i i i care and i'm 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 happy to to be able to teach at some point master master level ABS classes. That's 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 really important to me to be a, a master smith instructor. I think that that's that that's pretty cool. That's awesome. uh, and you know, it's it's it is an, an elite group, and I'm happy to be a part of it with, with my friends. You know, but I I really see it as more of uh, just another beginning than an end. You know. Sure. Can't get much better than that. And Will Stelter yeah. took off to go get another burrito or something like that. We'll hey, definitely say goodbye to Will. Before we go, before we go, go ahead, go ahead. Because I know you probably wanted to ask this. Go ahead. So we'll just put it. We'll put it on uh, Nick's shoulders since you're the highest ranking official here. What do you think's the over under on how many JS guys that pass this year actually end up testing for MS in two years? Because almost every single oh, one of them said they're doing it. The over yeah, what do you think? On what fifty guys? I, I think it was. How many did end up passing? Like thirty. Passing or testing? Thirty-one. That passed. Thirty-one. Pa 
Yeah. So you you're saying the over under? Oh, let's get this. If we're gonna bet, we're gonna. How bet. many do you think out of that thirty one are actually gonna end up testing in two years for MS? Uh, well, I mean, I can give you a percentage because I don't know what, okay. what over okay. under means. Over okay. under is in like we have a number. Like if you say fifteen, let's say fifteen is the number to test. You would say over fifteen, or you think it's gonna be under. Then it's under fifteen. You can just so. give a percentage. You can just oh, give a percentage. I mean, okay. I think maybe maybe fifteen percent. Like actually that. do it. it it's it's so I, like ha- eight? I have to tell you it's it's a leap it is a leap to go to, to iron out the last the last perfect bits of those of those knives i mean i i know you know some like the people that that have failed and that have had to do it do it twice um you, you, just the the skill within those people and the commitment that it takes to even get a set on the table that stands a chance is is uh it's it's tough i mean and i and i could be wrong i could be wrong i mean it, i was so impressed with the quality of all of the js knives so it could be could be another 20 people showing up with like perfect sets and I, nothing would make me happier than that there it is can't get much better than that james fleming wasteland underscore forge will stelter will underscore stelter then you can get a burrito or something matt stagmer and at Nick Rossi Knives, congratulations. I, all I want to say is we were all pulling for the whole, everybody who went down there, regardless of the outcome, everyone was pulling for that class. And it was exciting. Yeah. People were asking me every five minutes, did you hear? Did you hear? I know I was texting you guys. I know I was giving. I was like, I was sending messages to you, Matt, and you left everybody unread. You were a little bit, you know, like, yeah, all of a sudden there was a little bit nervous. It was like I didn't say anything, and everybody else, maybe things didn't go well for him. I want you to know. We all want you to know. People listening to this podcast, everyone is very proud of the people who went down there and put their necks out on the line and did the best yeah, that they could. Yes. Yeah, man. And, and I got to tell you, at the show. Over like tons of people were congratulate. That just happens naturally. But so many people were there to say, you know, I, I listened to your full blast podcast. We're all pulling for you. There was a lot of people that came directly from your podcast I did with you a week prior that were there to support uh, not just me but everybody. But like we're quoting the podcast where they knew it more than I knew it. And it was a uh, it was a really cool feeling to have because I already have kind of a following, but to have like. Your people, uh, who I really didn't have much of a connection with, come up to me and really like show their support and really like some of the little things I said on that podcast that I didn't realize I had said. Like, just like you said in our videos, you never know what you're going to take away from it. Uh, a lot of people got different things from that, and it was really cool to see that I had, like, some people told me that I inspired them just to go do it, and it felt, that felt great. Look at you, inspiring. You. you guys are a bunch of inspiring guys. Now listen, guys. I want you to all, every if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to go to AmericanBladesmith.org, and I want you to at least think about becoming uh, an apprentice bladesmith. You don't have to test. You don't have to do anything. It's supporting an organization, and the better support they get, the better things that are going to happen. That's the same thing with Abana. Join Abana. Join these organizations because the more support they get, the better stuff that's going to happen. So with that said, Will, James, Matt, Nick, congratulations. Thank you so much for coming on. I know this was a lot of time, and I appreciate your flexibility. And congratulations to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. 